She was at one time named the woman who saved Australia. Her political trajectory saw her lead Australia's largest state through pretty catastrophic times. But if there was any moment, any turning point for Gladys Berejiklian, when it all began to unravel, it would surely have to be this one. You requested a reassessment of a $5.5 million grant that Daryl McQuire stood to gain a political benefit Can you please stand back a bit? Thank you. Why did you do that? And isn't that a serious conflict of interest, given you were in a, ser- a secret relationship with him at the time? Firstly, the, re- the proposition you're putting is absolutely ridiculous. And second, all proper processes were followed. And that's all I say on the matter. That moment was on August 9th, 2021, and began what would eventually become an ICAC investigation, which would find that she breached public trust and found her guilty of serious corrupt conduct. That reporter that you just heard was Paul Farrell, an ABC Investigations uh, reporter and author of a new book, Gladys, A Leader's Undoing. G'day, Paul. Hey, Andy. Thanks for having me on. That moment was kind of revealing in hindsight when you think about it, that sort of frosty response to, to your question. What do you think it sort of said about her, Gladys Berejiklian's attitude to transparency in general? Mm. Look, I think that Gladys Berejiklian, you know, was was really, really focused on always cultivating this quite quite sophisticated but also very very structured kind of image and and, and belief in, in in what in how she was represented in the media you know she obviously she cared deeply about what people thought of her how the how the state saw her and and often when you when you look at her public appearances she was just an incredibly polished political reformer like performer it's, it's really quite impressive um and what you sort of got a glimpse of in that moment was that vineyard just for a moment, just just dropping, um, and and it dropped because I I think she was she was frightened of of what she perhaps suspected was was coming, and and that something was ICAC. At that press conference, you already knew that ICAC was sniffing around Gladys Berejiklian. How did you know that? What what information ha- had you received about what is always a very very secret process? Mm. So it was really tough to get to the bottom of exactly what ICAC was doing, but we knew that it was looking at this shooting club grant that Gladys Berejiklian had had been involved in awarding, and and we had reported that that at the time about a year earlier, and and that triggered these further inquiries from from ICAC, um, and we had learnt that. ICAC had been going to the shooting club itself, that it had demanded papers and documents and material from it. And we knew that they had been interviewing public servants um, in, in government about this grant as well. There were also all kinds of rumours about, you know, senior government ministers being called to give evidence. So we certainly had some indications of what ICAC was looking at. We didn't have all all the all the answers, but we certainly knew enough that we wanted to put to some, some questions to Gladys Berejiklian about it in person. At that time, August 2021, we saw Sydney in the grips of a Delta outbreak. Cases were soaring past 1,000 a day. Parts of the state were confined to their homes. There was a sense of just unrelenting despair and panic. And it was during this time that you uncovered Gladys's involvement with uh, Daryl Maguire and his so-called dodgy deals. Did you weigh up the public's right to know if the Premier was engaging in corrupt practices during that time? of an outright crisis in New South Wales? Because this is really, in hindsight, the moment where you have to balance the public's right to know with the public's right to be safe. And that is a really hard balance to strike. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, 
I, I, and certainly I think that was one of the points of criticism also of, of ICAC at that time for when it, um, when it eventually announced its, its investigation to it. You know, why, how could you sort of do this to this premier who, when we're in this, this state of emergency, this, this state of crisis? Um, but I think from, from the perspective of, of a journalist, certainly, um, you know, when, when you come across important information that there is a, a public, a substantial public interest to, you're obliged to to report it and to look into it and disclose it. And, you know, there was there was a real public interest in, you know, knowing what exactly the nature of, of Gladys Berejiklian's dealing were, dealings were with Dara Maguire. That's why ICAC held its first public hearing where it's, you know, where it emerged that she'd been in a relationship um, with him. You know, it, it formed the view that there was this interest in, in exploring this in more detail. And we as reporters just sort of took that to to a sort of a, a logical point, which was to start to look at, you know, exactly what her dealings were with with taxpayer money um, and and how that related to her relationship with Daryl Maguire. The commission handed down its finding uh, on June 29 this year after some delay, it should be said. It found that the, uh, Ms Berejiklian engaged in corrupt conduct. It, it did not meet the higher bar of a criminal offence. Now, this has kind of sparked a number of conversations about the line between what is legal and what is acceptable. Regardless, she paid a heavy price. Do you think that punishment was sufficient, appropriate? Yeah, I, I mean, look, Gladys Berejiklian will forever bear the mark of these findings that she engaged in serious corrupt conduct. I mean, that's, that's a, I, I don't think, I think people sort of thought there was a sense that she's somehow gotten off lightly with that, but just imagine you're being branded with this potentially for the rest of your life, that you engaged in serious corrupt conduct in your political life. I mean, I think, I think that's a, you know, that's a punishment um, that, that would be difficult to endure for anyone, let alone someone who was so, um, so we got to sort of cultivate this this impression of uh, of their public inference and this, and this really sort of strong sense of um, uh, of 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 exactly how people thought of her. And that effect or that ripple extended beyond Macquarie Street or beyond the C-suite boardrooms of of, of the capital city of, of New South Wales. The fallout of the corruption inquiries that both Maguire and Berejiklian. Uh, were focused on extended out to Wagga Wagga, for example, Maguire's former seat. They were left reeling following these allegations. The Riverina Conservatorium of Music was somehow caught up in this. How did it affect that community, do you think? Yeah, so one of the... um one of the, the things that's always used by critics of ICAC and just and and defenders as well of the the practice of using grant funding in in context that's you know called pork barreling a lot you know, using it for political purposes is that it doesn't really do anyone any harm there's nothing really wrong with it um, it's all to fight and in fact Gladys Berejiklian said said that to that effect um, herself some some years ago that that, that it's the role of a, a, a an upstanding member of, of of parliament that you represent your community's interests. Exactly, exactly. But you see that 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 line just doesn't really wash. And and what what I was really surprised about with the the Dara Maguire story is when I started circling back to some of these people and figures who had been involved in it. I mean, the River and Conservatorium was one of the grants that Gladys Berejiklian was involved in awarding um, that, that Dara Maguire had long pursued, desperately pursued. And there were all these intercepted calls played between the two of them where they talked about it. And, you know, that was one of the, that, that formed one of these the planks of the findings of corrupt conduct 
conduct against her. Um, but when I went back to them, I mean, the whole experience for them, even though they've done nothing wrong, was shattering. You know, people in the community distrusted them. You know, they questioned their own, you know, their motives when all they had done was done exactly what, what they should have, which was to, to go to their local MP and say, oh, look, you know, we'd love some assistance if you can. They just assumed that, you know, that assistance would be would be within the sort of the realms of what was appropriate. But but it had gone far beyond that. And and that's one of the problems, I think, with this, this idea that there's no real harm that comes from this. I mean, it really did harm that organisation the way this all unfolded, even though they had done absolutely nothing wrong. If you've just joined me on RN Drive, investigative reporter Paul Farrell's here. We're recounting uh, the fall of Gladys Berejiklian, former New South Wales Premier, uh, as uh, sort of uh, charted in his book. Uh, we'll come to some details about where you can buy that book in just a moment. In the days following Gladys Berejiklian's resignation, devoted members of her electorate left flowers and signs of support outside her office. And it wasn't uncommon to hear the phrase, well, we've all had a Daryl, you know, mentioned. I just wonder how much do you think that public reaction muted the, the, the findings of corruption against Gladys Berejiklian? I think that initially it certainly did, you know, and you've got to remember that we were still in this kind of moment of real crisis. Like we were just emerging from this moment of crisis. And and and, and I think understandably people looked to Gladys Berejiklian as someone they could trust, um, as someone who, you know, was would, has had at least some of the answers through this moment of, of crisis. That's a normal reaction just for human beings to have. When there's a crisis, they look to people in positions of authority. Um, but as, as I think uh, as time has sort of gone on and that crisis has, has abated, people have reflected a bit more on Gladys Berejiklian, and they've reflected more on these issues. And I think maybe there's a bit more circumspection about, about that. I mean, I, you certainly didn't see this level of of outrage or or surprise when the findings were eventually handed down earlier this year. I mean, I think that certainly many people would have just accepted and said, "Look, it's a real shame, but yeah, like this this is this is the reality of of her conduct and behaviour." And you know, it's it's possible for both of those things to to exist. It's possible for people to to look to a leader and say, "I think she did some really amazing things." But it's equally possible that, you know, despite those good things that they can still have done the wrong thing, that they can still have engaged in in corrupt conduct. And that's one of the sort of the tensions that I really tried to grapple with in the book. I wonder if you can draw a direct line between the flowers that were put outside Gladys's office and the unwillingness of current uh, New South Wales Premier Chris Minns to sort of condemn Gladys in the strongest of language because he knows as well as anyone that at the, at the time this sort of came out, she was a popular leader and going against that popular sentiment in the electorate isn't always smart. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that was one of the most interesting things, the sort of recent developments in, in politics. Obviously, we, you know, we have a new Labor government in power now. And when Chris Minns was asked about Gladys Berejiklian um, and, you know, her, her conduct, he really just, he held, he pulled back from it. And, mm. and I think certainly part of that, you know, may have been um, a reluctance to criticise this very popular leader. Uh, I mean, there's also a more cynical view as well that that he fears the spectre of 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 the conduct lurking within his own party, and and you know, and, and certainly already there's been questions raised about the conduct of um of, of one of his now now former ministers. So um and and it's that silence that I think that's so revealing as well in these sort of in these sort of settings. You know, really, Gladys Berejiklian's greatest failing was that. She was she was silent. Um, you know she she was in she was in this situation this this relationship, 
very understandably, she wanted to keep it private. But at a certain point, Daryl Maguire's conduct descended into into something more more sinister. Um, and as more and more of those little bricks started to stack up, um, you know, that we know about were stacking up because we've we've heard those calls between them, Gladys Berejiklian had these moments, these opportunities to stand up and say something, um, and she chose not to. What do you think this whole saga has done or or how, how it sort of portrayed or weathered ICAC itself. You know, we've just had the findings that the delay uh, w- was appropriate. We had questions throughout the, this, these hearings. We had information being posted online and withdrawn. Do you think this case tested ICAC in a way that it hasn't been previously tested before? Absolutely. I mean, I, th- I think it was it was a remarkable test. And, and certainly in, in some respects with that test, you know, uh, ICAC's conduct was shown really to be to be wanting. Um, I mean that that initial um, kind of procedural failure where uh, ICAC accidentally published you know personal details from from an exchange that that, that should never have been public between Gladys Berejiklian and Daryl Maguire and some other personal identifying information as well was a was an absolutely terrible lapse um, of judgment and of process by. By that body, and and that was held to be the case by ICAC's own sort of Inspector General, um, but but you know as 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 time wore on, I think what has also become clear is that in many respects it acted reasonably. Um, you know, when the same questions were raised about how ICAC conducted itself in that cry, time of crisis and emergency, the Inspector General of ICAC said, "Well, no, actually, it acted totally appropriately. You can't hold information back from the public. You've got to publish it." Because at that time, uh, obviously, the coalition, federal coalition's response to the ICAC findings was highly critical. You know, you had the, Scott Morrison dubbing uh, the commission a kangaroo court. Former New South Wales Treasurer Matt Keane tweeted, "So it has taken ICAC two years to tell us that Gladys Berejiklian has not engaged in criminal conduct." That happened earlier this year. Scott Morrison was accused of fundamentally undermining responsible um, government after secretly appointing himself to several key ministries during the pandemic. So it is it is incredibly difficult to hold secrecy to account here, isn't it? Mm. And look, I mean, one of the things is when you look at the reasons for why this took ICAC so long, um, I mean, you know, some of it's the submissions that were put in it were hundreds and hundreds of pages of long. It was incredibly complex and and obviously, understandably, it was incredibly hard fought by the parties. It was hard fought against by Gladys Berejiklian in their own submissions in reply, by Darren Maguire and, and, and all the other parties in it. So there were, there were as ICAC's own inspector, its, its own watchdog, found very legitimate reasons for the reasons for why this took so long. Um, and ICAC has survived and it'll continue to, to survive clearly. There's there's no no credible cause for it to be abolished. Um, and I do think it's important to just remember that, you know, for the most part, m- most of these calls for ICAC to have its wings clipped have come across party Partisan, lines yeah, and, yeah, and, and, are just, and are political allies. And, you know, that's, I mean, that's something that um, happens, you know, happens in on both sides of government as well, where often things things become partisan sort of issues. In the end, the Liberals lost the state election and the federal election saw a swing towards independence, the Teals, and uh, the promise of a national anti-corruption commission. What does that say in your mind about how the public values trust and integrity of government? I, I think that the, what, what happened with the federal government and the election shows that there has been a real turning point in in Australia. There is an appetite for integrity 
in government. Um, and I think that that's something that when you look at how Scott Morrison sort of deified Gladys Berejiklian, you know, the the sort of leaks and suggestions that that came out um, in, you know, in various sort of anonymous forms that Gladys was somehow being touted as, um, as a potential candidate for the federal election. You know, I think Scott Morrison in some respects tethered his own government's future to Gladys Berejiklian and thought and saw what he thought was this this enduring popularity that he could that he could harness but I think that was really poorly judged and, and that was reflected in in the in the the manner in which the electorate voted um you know it, it chose not to 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 side with a with a government that engaged in in pork barrelling, it chose not to side with a government that deified this state leader, who although she was certainly liked, um, had engaged in some conduct that left some really serious questions about whether she was fit to govern. Well, this book really is an anatomy of this whole sad and sorry saga. Gladys, A Leader's Undoing, will be available in all good bookstores. Paul Farrell has been my guest. Good to see you, Paul. Thanks, Andy. You've been listening to a podcast of The Drawing Room with me, Andy Park. For more great conversations, search for The Drawing Room on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.